Okay, so welcome back once again to One Standardized English. I am your host, JPB Gerald, and this is a fun one for you today. Uh, we'll get into that in a second. Just want to mention um, the topic of the podcast as ever. It's about white epistemology and ratio-linguistic ideologies and a whole bunch of other stuff that happens to come up. What does all that mean? There's a lot of episodes. You can check them out. Basically, I'm trying to unpack the ideas, the knowledge that are tied to whiteness and how we can do something about it either in education or other social services or academia or something like that and how this has impacted me and the work I've done. So um, I have a new patron, Rachel Enos, who was a guest a few episodes ago on the Unsustainable episode, so thank you Dr. Enos. If you are interested and able to support the show, there is a link in the description. I hope that you do. It allows me to spend the time on the show because ultimately uh, I don't have a lot of free time like most of you, and I, I do this when I can. Um, so on my very first episode, which was uh, more than a year and a half ago now, I recorded an episode with a friend named Rob Shepard, who is, like me, experienced in the ELT field. And we talked about the difference between expats and immigrants, what these words mean and how it's tied to race and whiteness and so forth. It was a fun episode. It was shorter than my current episodes because I didn't know what I was doing. I did everything wrong. I tried to record it on my phone, but I pressed the wrong, wrong button, so it didn't work. <laughs> but he had recorded it. And let me tell you, if he hadn't recorded it and I'd lost that episode, I would have probably given up on this whole operation. So maybe that means it was destined to happen. Anyway, so we talked in that episode about that, and that is still the most listened to episode of this podcast. I'm not sure why. I think maybe when people hear of this um, podcast, they go back to the beginning and see what it's about. So maybe that's what it is. Um, but anyway, he is on the episode again today. And in this episode, both of us have uh, officer roles in professional organizations. So I'm the VP, I mentioned this a few times, I'm the VP of Advocacy for New York State TESOL, right? Even though I'm not a language teacher right now, but my work and my experience is in that field. So I'm the VP of Advocacy, and I've been working on like anti-racist efforts within the field. Um, we'll talk about that. And Rob has a similar role for Pennsylvania TESOL East. So he lives in Philadelphia, and he's doing this similar work there. And so we're going to talk about the role of professional organizations in working against these structures. Can professional organizations even do this? Can you do stuff in them? Do you have to do stuff to them? That's what we're going to talk about. So if any of you are involved in professional organizations or you want to be involved in them and you want to know um, if there is anything that you can do to make them better or leverage them to do good things to actually change these systems, this is an episode for you. So, enjoy. All right, folks. So welcome back to Unstandardized English. I am JPT Gerald. Um, we are talking once again, as I mentioned, to Rob Shepard, the very first guest in the history of this podcast who has returned. Oh, yes, you were the very first guest. You began things. And as I mentioned in the intro, which I recorded yesterday, um, I failed to record things correctly that day. 
and Rob sent me the recording. And had he not recorded it at the same time, I don't know if I would have bothered to continue recording a podcast because I would have been so demoralized from having screwed up. Um, yeah, yeah, it, because I uh, I pressed, I, I was thinking too hard on the recording on my phone and I pressed the button and I wanted to make sure it was working. And I pressed it like three times and I pressed it like an odd, an, an even number of times. And I was trying to press it an odd number of times, but it didn't work. But before we continue in the discussion, you're doing different things now. So Rob, if you will tell the people what you are up to these days. Like where I work? Yeah, that sort of thing. Um, not that, it's just generally exactly what Last time we talked, I was working in the world of adult education, like adult ESOL, and I recently made the switch to um, like higher ed, the, the world of um, intensive English programs um, at Temple University. Oh, that's, yeah, that was a, a thing that I was, you know, if I had not been in the situation where I couldn't leave with the baby and being in school, you know, it was this very similar thing that I would be interested in. So I'm, it was just really interesting that it ended up being you that, that ended up working there because I was happy yeah, about that. It was a weird coincidence. Um, yeah. I mean, I think Leslie sent it out, right? So, you know, it's not surprising. Oh, did I, I didn't I, even see it through that. Interesting. I don't know. Um, anyway, so it's just interesting that. Um, so, uh, right. So we're talking about professional organizations this evening. Hmm. Well, whenever people listen to this, I don't know if it'll be the evening, but it's evening now. And um, I am the VP of Advocacy for New York State TESOL. Mm -hmm. And Rob is the same role or something? Uh, the equivalent role. I think oh. it's, um, what is it? Uh, chair of Sociopolitical Concerns. Or something. That is complicated. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I didn't choose it. <laughs> Neither did I, but um, for Penn TESOL East. The yes. interesting thing about that is that like some states, they do these things differently, right? Mm -hmm. Because in New York, it's just one New York State TESOL. There's a bunch of regions, but there's only one organization, even though there's a lot of people in New York State, right? Um, Texas has five organizations, yep. all right? There's Tex TESOL one, two, three, four, and five. Right. Each one is a region. It's the same thing as like New York TESOL, New York City region, New York TESOL. More like independent somehow. Right. right. There's yeah. There's like a president of each one. Right. They'll um, tell you which one they're from. I... Yeah. I, well, yeah. Because I and then I think Tex TESOL five is like Dallas area, sort of. Yeah. You know. Um. And so so, but in Pennsylvania, they what? It's just east and west, or it's east central uh, it's, and west. Yeah, and it's it's. Yeah, so it's Pentisol East is the name of ours. The other one is not Pentisol West, as you might guess. It is Three Rivers Tisol, and it's kind of like the Philadelphia-centric one, uh, the East one. Uh, and then Three Rivers Tisol is the Pittsburgh area one. Okay. Yeah. So that's not consistently named. Um, yeah, and I mean, we're totally independent organizations. We're not like branches of a similar organization. Huh. Um, on advocacy, we've just, since last year's uh, TESOL Advocacy and Policy Summit, um, it was only after that event that someone from Three Rivers reached out to us and said, hey, we should be talking about um, advocacy things. And that's really our only um, thread connecting us right now. Interesting, it's interesting. Yeah, because I've been talking to the person who does this same role, and I think it's even a different name there um, mm -hmm. in New Jersey. 
And, you know, so it's been interesting to talk to people doing similar work because we all have similar goals, but we have different responsibilities. Because I am the VP of advocacy, I can't focus entirely on anti-racist stuff. Um, we also do, well, you know, during this all, like we did, we did a survey on like standardized testing and what people felt about it and so forth. And, um, and then there's, at, when I started this role, cause the president, the person who was coming in as the president had emailed me to ask me to run. And I was like, I don't know. I don't. Um, and she's like, come on, run. I'm like, I so I ran and then I won. I was like, oh, okay. Um, and then, um, I decided like, all right. Monica, uh, if you if I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this stuff that I that, that I focus on. And she said, Yeah, that's what I want you to do. I said, All right, fine. Um, but I still have like some standard responsibilities, and I'm like, uh, okay. Uh, and those things are like, um, you know, we do there's, visit. There's a, a webinar tomorrow, which will have occurred by the time you listen to this, but like uh, that it's tomorrow as we record this on like advocating for students at the national level. Right? And then we did one on advocating for students at the district level. We did advocating for students in your school. Right now, I, because I'm not a K-12 teacher, I'm just supporting them doing this. I can't really say anything about it. I'm an incredible messenger. But like, that's the stuff that I do, that's the, 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 the sort of standard stuff. And I'm mostly just supporting them in that. But like my real focus, which is the focus of what we're talking about, is that I started a sort of subcommittee on anti-racism, which I hate that it's called a subcommittee, but then I can call it SCAR. So that's kind of cool. Um, and, you know, right now, SCAR is like, we we're, we put in proposal for the New York TESOL conference for the fall, mm -hmm. um, and that proposal is we zeroed in on a really specific but potentially impactful issue where uh, we looked at the state requirements for teacher certification in TESOL or ELT or whatever the acronym is, um, and we looked at some of the deficit-based language in the certification. Yeah. And we said, look at this language, this is deficit-based. And we're going to make a presentation about deficit-based language and language teaching and how this is harmful and so forth and hopefully advocate towards changing that language. And then you have the issue of like, okay, let's say, presume that we can find out who we got to talk to to change that language. Let's just say, we can probably find out who it is. Uh, and then we change the language. Mm -hmm. That's not really going to do anything for someone who doesn't actually care about these things. But on the other hand, if they don't care then having the language change means that you can point to a policy. So that's sort of the, the the two sides of the discussion when it comes to this sort of thing. It's like in professional organizations, you know, it is a means where solidarity can be built, but it can also be an obstacle to solidarity because there's people in the professional organizations and forces around them that are not necessarily interested in that. So where, where do you stand really on like, you know, the the possibilities, right? The, you know the purposes of of, of 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 professional organizations, and I don't I, I don't want to call them that, but that's what they're called. Uh, you know, I don't know what else to call them. Um, you know, even before we get into what 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 we can do on this particular issue, because I think that they're they have potential, but I I don't know that they are nat naturally inclined towards doing this sort of thing. Hmm. So just like what what is the purpose of this type of organization? I mean what I mean what what do you think 
aside from just getting together and sharing information, but like, what, what do you think within the purpose of these organizations? And then we can go into among those purposes, what can be leveraged to do this sort of thing? Yeah, so uh, we, I mean, we've been talking about this in our group quite a bit. Um, there seems to be an agreement that we represent the interests of English language teachers and English learners um, as a consequence. Um, for the most part, that takes the form of professional development. Um, that's definitely the majority of what we do is get people together to learn um, things that make us better at English teaching. Um, there does seem to be an explicit advocacy function of almost all of these organizations. I believe in order for, so for listeners who may not be aware of this, um, the two organizations that you and I work with are local affiliates of the much larger TESOL International, uh, which is the US-based professional organization for teachers of speech, teachers of English to speakers of other languages. Um, it's an international organization, but it's definitely the US-centric one. There's IA TEFL in, um, in the UK, also international, but definitely UK-centric. Um, I believe in order for an organization like ours to be an official affiliate of TESOL International, they need to have something that functions as an advocacy chair. I think that's actually where we got that weird language for, for my position. Um, you can't be an affiliate without having an advocacy role. So yeah, we're from there, but that advocacy can take so many different forms yeah. and that professional development can take so many different forms. And, and who, and, and what is it, I mean, when we say we serve English language teachers, which one and which interests and. I think about yeah. that a lot because I remember in must have been the end of January. Um, I was on Facebook, which I should never do, but I was on <laughs> Facebook and um, Big TESOL, the internet, United States based one, the big one, um, posted a, this is not a Big TESOL issue. I mean, it's related to that, but this is not their fault. And they posted a generic statement after the new administration rescinded the Muslim ban, mm. right? So the new administration said no more Muslim men. and great. And uh, TESOL said something generic in favor of that having been rescinded, mm -hmm. like a sentence, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and then the first, I mean, there are a bunch of likes. And of course, you know, the, no, I'm saying, yeah, I'm saying the, the likes were just most people, right? Yeah. But the people who said things, because it's such a generic statement, if you agree, there's nothing to say. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> but if you disagree, um, and the people jumped up and said things like, Tisha shouldn't be playing politics. Mm -hmm. You know, you should keep mm -hmm. politics out of this. You should keep politics out of this. And, I, and, 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 you know, I jumped in and because I don't care, I told them to leave mm -hmm. the profession. But, you know, uh, because like who's following the TESOL page if you're not involved in language teaching? Like, why would mm. you follow? Why would you be on the TESOL page? You don't, there's not the kind of thing that just comes across your page unless you're involved. Even if you're not a member, you know, why would you be on that page? Um, and, but like, I think about TESOL and I say, they probably have more people in their membership across the country that are, again, not even just 
milquetoast centrist whatever which is just there's a lot of people like that so whatever but like who genuinely think that like expressing displeasure with the muslim ban makes mm-hmm. you like deeply leftist whatever whatever and if that's in your membership you have to decide are we going to support all of our members or are we going to try to push for things that may be unpopular with some of them because when you try i think and this isn't just a big t-sol thing this is a lot of large organization thing when you try to make everybody happy you don't really make anybody happy and i think that that is the problem with any organization that big and I, i'm like we're talking about big t-sol or but you could do the same thing with aera you know those large national organizations when you try to you have if you if you can't take any stand at all you're going to piss off everybody and so that's when you talk about advocacy i think that that is you know sometimes i think having advocacy in name only is really what happens because they aren't advocating for their most oppressed individuals members or students because the students aren't usually members um some are but you know what i'm saying yeah um just a couple of random thoughts from what you said there first of all you said um you know if you you see that message if you like it all you do is like it if you don't like it your response is verbal and strong usually uh, that's the thing I think about a lot. And I think that that is like one of the driving dynamics of the internet, why it's dividing us so much. And I think that has an impact on what it means to share advocacy that when we talk about um, like armchair advocacy and and what's the term, there's a term for like- What, slacktivism? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Um, that that mechanism seems to feed into that. And, and that lazy sense that all you gotta do is change the color of your Instagram um, or post a black square on Instagram and you're, you're an activist now. Um, anyway, but, but back to the, the way those organizations work and that idea of who do you serve in your organization? Um, do you think an organization like this has to have a lean to it? Um, well, I mean, my argument, because I guess it depends on the sort of discipline, right? So we're talking about language teaching, but there's other, like when I started my doctoral program, the the professor told us like, you know, look up some professional organizations and see which one you think might make sense to join, mm-hmm. right? And so we all, then he said, you know, you all have slightly different interests. So, you know, look up ones related to that. And maybe, you know, he said AERA is the biggest one. And we, we being the school tend to, to send people to that every year. So might be interested in that, whatever, whatever. Um, but when it comes to both language education or just education in general, any sort of social services situation, right? Could be social work, medicine, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you, I don't know that you have to have a, partisan lean because I think these two you didn't say that but I'm saying I think these things get conflated sometimes right you know I don't think places should uh, organizations like this should be partisan in that they need to go out there and, and I know I'm sure it's not allowed but I'm just saying that they, that they need to go out there and make a point of supporting particular candidates or something like I know that they're not allowed to do that but like you know making a point of supporting everything that a certain president does and then not supporting other things mm-hmm. right but I do think 
if you're going to say anything publicly, mm-hmm. then it's going to be political. And, and it is nothing, you know, so it's either you don't say anything at all, which is a choice, mm. or you, you have something to say, you can have, and, 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 you know, so I think that you don't necessarily have to have a militant stance as an organization mm-hmm. per se. However, I do think, and now and then you get into a deeper question, right? Because if I say that places, places, organizations need to have a mission or something, okay, great. A lot of nonprofits have missions. That doesn't mean that they don't have these problems. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. like a lot of nonprofits have this, it's like, oh, it's on, it's right there in the front of the website. The mm-hmm. web, the mission is like the sentence is right there, and it says we do this, to, and then they, then they act the same way. So <laughs> yeah. you know, like uh, I don't really, it is difficult to say. Sometimes I do think you're right that these organizations shouldn't be necessarily where the activism comes from, because just putting it in your signature or whatever doesn't mean you're actually going to do the work. Yeah. Um, but most, but most of these organizations, all they can really do is talk. So what can you, you know? So. Yeah. Um. It's a challenge because I think about, because when I think about my um, my professors getting us to to sign up for these organizations, right? And some of them I was aware of, some of them were new to me. Um, you know, I think about like the the fact that when I was I wrote an article last summer um, about the the statements that came out yeah. last summer the statements <laughs> right and they're all doing it again today um, they just they just they got these they had these statements ready they had the statements um, and you know they were ready yeah because I got an email from Hunter. 20 minutes after the Derek Chauvin verdict came in. Wow, like, really? Let me see exactly how many minutes it was. 6.20, 6.20, so it was an hour, right? Um, and they, they they probably had, it's like an obituary for an old celebrity. Like they had, they were waiting, they were ready, yeah. you know, um, and, you know. Was it they, a satisfying statement? I mean, I know that was part of our conversation not too long ago. Was, was there meat to it or? What did it say? It said, we have seen the American judicial system function at its best, the way it was designed to work with equal justice for all. So as you might expect that I am telling you that no, the answer is no. Um, (laughs) This this is a solemn moment for all of us in the Hunter community, a beginning, not an end, because we know the commitment to to end, not racism, race-based inequity. Almost. (laughs) They were so close. (laughs) They were so close. Uh, The jury verdict has confirmed that Black Lives Matter in the society and in the law, we remain. That has has the ring of like, it's over or something like, like, oh, we did it. Yeah, we did it. So stop it. You stop it now. Um, We can remain committed to the virtues of fairness and opportunity in our teaching and our learning. And our hearts go out to, okay, the hearts going out to the family is fine because that there's nothing, I can't really say that that's wrong, right? As far as his family, offering thoughts to his family is really all you can do. But like, yeah, they can't, they still can't say racism, which is weird. Like, 
I, you know, as you were talking about in the in the article or the blog post that we were talking about yesterday about the racism evasive rhetoric, right? Yeah. You know, um, really because, term. because that was talking about a professional organization. That whole that whole uh, blog post was about how um, Dr. Itaway was feeling like the organization that he had been a part of for many years was, you know, really, you know, putting forth white supremacists. Uh, values and when they got called out they couldn't handle it um, and a lot of the time the issue is the second part more than the first part because in this, in this society that we live in any organization is going to be racialized and it's going to have sort of white supremacist values that doesn't make it okay it's just the norm it's what happens when someone points it out what happens and doesn't mean that they can't be uncomfortable you know comfortable is fine it's that do they get do they shut down do they refuse do they drag their feet and all that stuff that part i think is really at least for me when i'm in these situations it's that second part that is the much more frustrating part because expecting racism not to happen is just hmm. unrealistic it's what happens after it's pointed out hmm. so there's so much going on there you said earlier a lot of these organizations, all they do is talk because all they can do is talk. And I think that works as a critique and it also works as just an objective statement of what these organizations do most of the time, right? Their role often is just to bring people together to amplify a voice. Um, again, what they choose to do with that, uh, we can critique a whole lot. Um, so, so there's power in that. Your first question was, was what is the role of organizations like this? There's certainly some power to be harnessed there if we can figure out how to do it right. Um, so you bring people together, there's power in that. But at the very same time, when these become formal organizations, I think that's when you, you're setting the stage for the type of resistance that you're talking about. Um, in conversations around how these, these, these statements come out, there's often an idea that we should achieve consensus among all the board members. I definitely think that's a, you can understand why historically people sought consensus when, you know, we're putting out an organization, a, a statement that represents the entirety of the organization. It can be sensitive. We want to be careful in a general sense, but when it comes to a situation like this, you can see how that becomes really problematic really quickly. Um, so that's just something interesting in the dy dynamics of, of an organization like this. There's so much power there in bringing people together, but by setting people up, bringing them together in that way, you can see how people keep screwing it up, I guess. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, if we're talking about consensus, I mean, that's a, a, a really, it's related to like civility, all these calls for, mm. you know, civility, respectability and, and yeah. all this stuff, because a lot of these statements read like, relax, you know, mm. you know, stop. Um, that's enough. Um, and they like they say this is only the beginning, but I don't know why they expect there to be more when they're telling everyone to calm down. Um, because I think about my own role, and I can only say so many things about the board, but like, uh, I mean, you know, but uh, I mean, from your own experience that like, we do have to go through and uh, executive board meetings, have these discussions and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like all day on Sunday, not all day, but it's a while. And 
you know, I have often felt somewhat tentative really bringing up the anti-racist stuff I want to do. And the president has supported me. And it's literally because she likes me. Like, she's, she's my friend. <laughs> like, I don't know that this would be the case if, if it wasn't someone that I had a connection to. I mean, I, obviously, I would know the president because we're all on the board no matter what. But, like, if it were the person who, like, again, maybe this is just a coincidence and maybe it's the way that the organization is. The next person who's going to be president, because it's like the president-elect, is she's already been named or whatever, like mm -hmm. that person is also someone that, that like I vibe with on these things. So it would have worked out fine next year too, because mm -hmm. then I have the role for two years. But like, again, I don't know that this would have been the case a few years ago if a different person was president, right? If I had said, I want to do this stuff, now obviously I, I wouldn't have had all these articles to call upon. So there's so many counterfactuals, whatever, but like, I'm only able to really do a lot of the challenging stuff I want to do because I have a, a closer relationship with some people. And there's nothing, nothing is unethical as happening. Like I'm not, I'm not doing anything that I shouldn't be doing. You know, it's just that I feel as though I'm able to put forth a little bit bolder things because I'm being backed and supported. Right. Um, <laughs> and I noticed that's the case at school too. And I don't just mean in my homework because whatever, but like in terms of like, I would like to go and I don't really want to do my current class the way that it's being assigned to me, for example. Mm -hmm. And so I told the professors that I wasn't going to do it. Um, not, I didn't say it that way, but I also know in these programs that there's, a, there's clout is a thing, right? Um, and because I'm the one person, not the only, but one of the few people in the program who's out here talking and speaking and stuff, the program is like, let me leave him alone. And that's, that's, but that's the thing. It's like, that's bad, but I might as well use it to try and push these things forward. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that, that is a modicum of power. I'm not, it's not, I think it's okay because it's not power over people. Like there's power, you know, power, there's influence and then there's power over other people. And well, I, I mean, power's not going anywhere. It's, it's how it gets used and, and yeah. how it gets shared. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that that, so the point is, you know, in all these organizations, uh, there is always going to be a certain, there's different levels of influence that people have and things are only going to happen when the influential people do stuff or when people come together and generally people come, don't come together unless an influential person is involved. Uh, well, yeah. and I mean, another part of what you're talking about, I think that that's worth calling out in terms of how we affect change is, is the relationship aspect of it. Of it you're more comfortable speaking up because you have a relationship with people who there, there's a, you know, there's, there's trust involved in pushing the boundary. There's vulnerability involved in it. And when you have an existing relationship, when you have certain knowledge about how a person is going to receive it, that, that becomes easier. Um, some of these organizations do seem to be uh, people who are friends. And, and in a case like this, that seems to be valuable. Um, for me, uh, this organization is the first place I came when I moved to the city. I didn't know anybody. So it's tough to come in like guns blazing, like let's let's change things right away. You need to build relationships before you can push in the right places. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's, that, that's a, a, a challenge because I know that like, um, I mean, sort of reminds me, because you, you know this from like living in Korea, like there's, there was there was always like, a few people in the city of Mubit who knew everybody, mm. right? And I mean, among the like teachers, 
and those are people who had like influence on things, right? They they were throwing a party. People know it's it all. It's like it's like freshman year of college or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and those things they don't matter that much. But when it comes to these sort of organizations, there's still a a person who knows everybody. And like we had um our conference was obviously online in November, but like I was in, you know, because I had just become a part of the board, we had a like gathering and mm-hmm. like a virtual gathering, but like. A lot of them were talking about, you know, it, they welcomed back all the previous officers or the, the, for, to welcome in the new board, right? And they are people who would like known each other since like the 90s and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's like these people who really get like, you know, lifelong connections out of these things, like whether they work together or they just have been at these conferences and so forth. And I don't want to diminish that the impact that that has on people, that people just genuinely get these connections because whether it's because they're both language teachers and this is speaking of our field, but, um, or because they were on the board at the same time and working on a project together, or they had a fun time at a conference party with dancing or something. I don't know what it is, but the point is for people really look forward to these things. I don't wanna take, I don't think that that doesn't matter. However, I also think that like, we have to be able to stick our neck out a little bit as these organizations, you know, because I think that sometimes we, and I don't want to speak for your organization, but I think we, as these types of organizations get scared sometimes because of those people on Facebook who are going to be loud. Um, And so we try to, to temper ourselves. And then I, I put my, my thought is if we, if we really put together a well-crafted, powerful statement about, I don't know what the thing is, but something, I think we might actually have a chance to engender more passionate support for people who are expecting very little of us and to counter the, the angry, you know, people throwing their fists in air or something like that. Because I think a lot of the time what happened is with that statement that TESOL made. It's a generic statement, right? Mm-hmm. So no one is gonna be passionate about what they said in a good way. Like no one's gonna be super overjoyed that they said that. It's a milquetoast statement, but the other people are gonna be mad anyway. Yep. So you might as well put a real statement together and get people really to be passionate. Point. Yeah. To get some people to be passionate for you because mm-hmm. the people who are gonna be against you are gonna be against you if you say anything. That's a really good point. That's like another facet of that same like the the people who speak up are going to be the idiots who are just looking for something to get mad about and the people who but okay so question even when you put together a great statement does it do anything i don't know because i can't say i've ever said to myself well, that was a great statement. Now, yeah. I just can't. That statement was so amazing. But when I, I <laughs> like, it's it, it's a statement that has to be it, it, to me. Well, well, here's the thing, though. When I highlighted in that same article last year about what a great statement was, it's because the statement contained action in it. Hmm. So, I will say something is a great statement if the actions in it are great. So it's never the statement by itself. It's like. I keep bringing up this article, but it was true, is that like all these professional organizations, some of them couldn't even say the word black. They couldn't say racism. Some of them said racism. They, they, they were like a, a gradient. 
they were all like it was a little bit better than the other, a little bit better, than, a little bit better, a little bit better. But like um, they still weren't promising to do anything. Sometimes they would say, "We have always been supportive of," like the Hunter statement I just read. <laughs> it just says like, "We have always been like you didn't look. You weren't you weren't on trial, so I don't really care what you've been doing for the last hundred fifty years." Like you know, I'm not saying that Hunter doesn't. It, it's that's just, a form that that this takes right now i feel like that that's something i wanted to make sure we touch on is that there are a lot of people out there who think that what they're supposed to do right now is really loudly say that they're not racist uh. <laughs> and you said something earlier that more closely reflects my current understanding which is that <laughs> There's no point in, in loudly saying that you as an organization or you as an individual are not racist. That's not what we're doing with anti-racism here. The whole thrust of this right now is recognizing that it is everywhere, that it permeates everything and you're fighting it. That's what the anti to me is, is to mean. So it's not, guys, 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 I'm not a racist. Like people are still doing that, but like it's no, everyone has racist thoughts go through their mind. It's finding those things and fighting them actively rather and and being willing to, to recognize like oh shit that was totally a racist thing that I just thought I am sorry and I need to work on that I mean the actions are really what matters because um you know I think sometimes people think that racism is about being like pure of heart mm. or, or not pure of heart you know and you know it's it's, it's like are you a Grinch or are you not a Grinch or something like that? Like, it's, it's just like, is your heart clean? Mm -hmm. um, and then be, some people will say, well, well, you know, I've, I've looked back and I've had a bad thought. So therefore I can't be clean. So I don't care. Or some people say I had a bad thought and I'm not doing that anymore. So therefore it's, it's just like, it's a binary, but like it's not. Mm -hmm. So the reason I brought up the, 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 the statements is that the one place I found that made a good statement was this chocolate company that we order from. It's a chocolate company in Brooklyn, right? And they make vegan chocolate, which is why we order because my wife's a vegan. And they said something more specific about Black Lives Matter, but even if they had just said that, it wouldn't have been all that great. It would have been better than the others, but whatever. And they said, and so for the next, and I forget how long, they said, we are going to, like, anything that you buy, all of the money is going to, and they said this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. So they gave up some of their income. Not like we will donate 5%, which is what they usually say, right? You know, like, or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but they said, we are going to lose money so that, other people can receive whatever. And I don't remember what the number was or how long it was or whatever. Then what they did, not only did they do that, but then I can't remember, it was a week later, they put this original statement was on Instagram. They mm -hmm. posted a receipt hmm. of all of the donation they had made based on the income they had received. Hmm. So like they said they were going to do it. They did it and they proved it, hmm. right? So a lot of times these statements, they'll, they will even include an action, but the action is so vague mm. that it doesn't yeah, matter. We don't know what 5% of your income is. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. What, what's the, 
what's the the local or regional teachers professional organization equivalent of that what does action look like well i mean to me it's like i mean the, the things that i focus on in all of my writing is just you know epistemology and like the whole thought about it right so that's 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 hard to do because you know, I'm going to say we should think about the concept of teaching English differently, but we're still an affiliate of a larger organization. So we can only go so far. What I think, like, can the entirety of New York State or Penn TESOL East do something about it? I don't know, because again, even though it's not as big as Big TESOL, there's still there's still some places in these regions that people are not going to be hyped about it and that's whatever. What I think that can be done, though, is that if people in these organizations have these ideas is to make a point of of consciously building this sort of solidarity among uh, people within the organization and then try to spread it across the organization until the people who are going to be loud and mad about it are, are, are just sort of overpowered. Um, and also and also building like I'm doing with you and with the people in New Jersey, building connections across them so that you just get to the point where they can be loud in their corner where they don't have any influence anymore. So that's that's a role that I agree. Um, what you're talking about, if I understand right, is when we bring people together around a statement like that, it's not just a matter of reflecting current thought within the organization. It's not exactly about representation. There's a representation of the, you know, many views. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, but, but shaping that thought. Um, when this organization that you trust comes out and says Black Lives Matter, maybe you should reconsider the weird hesitation that you have about that phrase. Um, yeah. I think future shaping is really important because although my, the, the, the first thing that I wrote that people really, really, really paid attention to was talking mostly about the current state of things, and that's what most of my writing is, I try towards the end of everything I write to really try to envision, you know, because I think sometimes, like you have to point out what the problems are, but um, because if you, if you just envision, then people can be like, oh, I'm just going to do that. It's like, no, 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 we got to fix these things. Um, like, you, can't, you, you can't skip a step, sir. Um, but like, we, we have to think of both because if we're not imagining a better future, and that sounds cliche, but it's still a thing, then what are we working towards with? I understand, you know, the concept of dismantling, demolishing, you know, all these things, the structures, but like, uh, what will you build upon the plot once it has been raised? Hmm. And I think that, you know, um, we have to do both and it's it's hard. And, and I think sometimes it's, it's a question of like, are you gonna do it inside the system or outside of the system? And I think the question is, the answer is always both, yeah. right? So is it inside of the regional organizations or outside of it? When I say outside, I mean more of the connection between me and you and New Jersey, that's hmm. not, quite outside, but it's across the boundaries, mm. you know? So it's like, are we gonna do it within the boundaries of the state and try to do all around New York and all around Eastern Pennsylvania, all around New Jersey, or are we gonna do it across when we can find solidarity? Because I know that I can find solidarity with you and with the people in New Jersey. And I can, I know people who do the same thing in California and Texas. Like I can, I can find that, I can build that, right? 
um, but use that strength as it grows and then also try to build it within your place mm. so that the two things can combine and that the people you know, because then if you try to bring this to someone in your organization or even in Big T song and they want to dismiss you, you can be like, actually, I have mm. a lot of support for this. Yeah. And, and th that's where there's that interesting relationship between. So we, I mean, you and I are both on Twitter sometimes critiquing Big T song. Like th there's, you can have that antagonistic relationship to this organization but I am also literally a, a dues paying member of TESOL. And I honestly love this organization in so many ways. It's, it's made my career better at the same time that I'm like, yeah, but you need to do a better job with this. So there's that you can be the thing and be fighting the same thing at the same time. And there's that in between level of the local organization that doesn't necessarily need to always support big TESOL and we can sometimes maybe make effect change at a more regional level and use that local power that we've accumulated to apply more pressure to the big organization um well I mean it's 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 to say it's like I'm still for example an alumni of various schools that I don't know that I like what they do most of the time I have not given them zero dollars some of these schools uh not a lot but you know, they- That was, that was not zero dollars. Right, exactly. <laughs> and uh, so the reason they want the money is then they want to ask what we think about things and they're simply not going to listen to me unless I pay them. Yeah. And that's not too different from being a member, right? Mm -hmm. of, of an organization. Um, and it's similar to even me, because I'm a student, I'm paying them money. So I, um, and, and it's a shame because I don't mean that, but like I was on a panel in March, March, yeah, um, about anti-racism, what we're going to do. And it was, it was sort of a question again, inside, outside. So this was a panel held within this, the school of education at mm -hmm. Hunter. And I ended up being the moderator and a panelist because somebody was sick. And so I was I, the dean was there who who likes me, um, and a lot of my professors were there. But the, it was for anyone in the school of, of education who wanted to go. And I made a point of saying like this was specifically for people in the school of education. So this is an insular conversation we're having amongst ourselves. So if it's gonna be insular, then we have to have things that come out of this that are going to impact this school of education mm -hmm. itself. Like if we're going to have a conversation within a community, then we need to have changes in that community. And that like, cause there's a, there's a value to having that conversation like within a context. Like if you have a conversation in your workplace about a problem, you don't necessarily have to go talk to a bunch of workplaces about it. Like you should just go <laughs> fix your workplace. Um, and so I tried to make that point. And I also know if I was not a student in good standing then they wouldn't have had me on to have the conversation. Now that's not the same, that's not the same as money. I mean, although I am paying them but it's also true that like I know that I am while still a member of an oppressed group, like one of the more quote unquote respectable members of it according to certain designations. And so I know that that positionality is something that I have to wield responsibly. And what I'm trying to do is be like, all right, so you're not gonna listen to that many people who look like me. You're gonna listen to me, let me tell you the things and make it so that they feel at least 
a slight amount of pressure, as much pressure as one person can apply, at least. So, so I mean, a lot of what we're talking about has been abstract and big picture stuff. Um, and, and there's a lot of assumption that we're talking to people who are already deeper into doing this. For somebody who's just listening and, and, and is a member of an organization like this that isn't actively doing something, what are, what are the small steps that you start with? What are the realistic actions that don't feel so intimidating that somebody's not going to do them? Uh, I mean, all these organizations have like conferences and publications, you know, they're, they're, they, 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 or websites or whatever. Um, and whether there's general membership meetings or just ours at least does a lot of webinars and things like that. Yeah, you guys are uh, busy this year. Yeah, we do a lot of webinars. Um, too many, honestly. <laughs> um, we have like two tomorrow at the same time. I don't understand how we have two at the same time. Um, although one has 200 people signed up for it. I don't even know. Um, anyway, so um, it's like it, seek out the webinars or whatever, the offerings that align with these issues. And if you don't see any, then you should contact these organizations to say, I wish that we could see more on this. And if they say we don't have anyone, then you do it. Uh, because they, most of them, they're not going to stop you from giving a webinar, right? If you can do it, they'll, you know, do it. Um, and then at the conferences, whether, you know, whenever they let us back to these things, which seems like it's happening soon, um, you know, seek out, because there's going to be someone in those conferences trying to make presentations on something challenging. Even if they're not the centerpiece, they might be in a little corner of a room, um, you know, giving a presentation on something. So seek them out because this is, this is like what I did because the only time I went to the ERA conference was 2019, it was my first year. I was, I didn't go last year because it was canceled and it was canceled this year too, but like I wasn't planning to go last year because of the baby and, and then all this happened. But like, so 2019 was my first year and I went and I went and I just said, I don't have any pressure this year. I'm not looking for a job. I just want to go and see what's here. And I just looked, just so many things offered right? It's literally thousands of presentations over five days. And I was only there for like two and a half because it's overwhelming. And I just say, let me just look for the things that I really vibe with because you will end up like really connecting with, with those things. And I don't think I went to a single presentation that, that I didn't like, except for one that I was bored with. And I think if you could be really intentional and authentic with your choices, you have a better chance of finding people to connect with. And that, that, presentation led to a lot of my scholarship. Sorry, that conference led to a lot of my scholarship because it was at that presentation that I like met some people that I've collaborated with and, and so forth. So I think that, and also in a weird way, and I don't know that this is something everyone can follow, but like I found a lot more solidarity looking for people intentionally online who are doing the same thing I'm doing. So. Um, and in these professional organizations, like there's, there's, there's people there doing good work. Um, but what I found through the work that I've been trying to do, not just in New York State TESOL, but through the writing I'm doing, is that there's more people interested in things doing, going differently than people expect. The only reason that there aren't as many seen is because they haven't been connected because the system doesn't want us to get connected to each other. And 
even if the state organizations or the regional or the national especially organizations are not equipped to be that support system for people who are trying to challenge things, there are avenues within these organizations to do that. So, you know, I, as much as it would be nice to, to, to create a version of Big T-Saw that was different, at least for now, you can at least use that to find people who are on your wavelength. And for now, that'll have to do. That's interesting. I Honestly, I, I don't, at least in my local organization, I haven't been thinking a lot about the net, networking role of things, but that makes me wonder if there should be something like theme-based networking sessions, not just like it's the Thursday networking session, but like, here's the anti-racist networking session. Here's the whatever. Um, to, to more intentionally bring people together around issues that we know they need to be brought, brought together around. Um, hmm. Yeah, I think that, that I call for this whenever I give an like, invited talk. And this happened, you know, like 15 times the last year. And I tell people at the end of it, and they don't usually listen to me, but whatever, is that I'm like, please, like, if you are interested, put your contact in the chat. Like, I'm not writing everything down usually, but like, and then contact each other. Because like, this is, we're not going to do this by ourselves. We can't do this by ourselves. The, the swimming, the, the forced individualism is why these things persist. And I'm not saying there's no individualism that is useful. We need to have agency and so forth. But I just mean that like, we not these are massive systems that we're trying to work against yeah. massive systems right and we cannot do things by ourselves yeah. so we really need to to combine with each other and we also need to be comfortable with the messiness because when we combine with people we're not all gonna agree <laughs> i think that that is a, a, a challenge too because i want to you know Years ago, I, let's say I wouldn't be interested in the anti-racist thing in language education years ago. I wouldn't have done it because I would have been worried like, well, maybe we don't really have the same ideas. Even I, me five years ago, wouldn't have the same ideas as me now. I wouldn't have agreed yeah. with me. So, you know, but I wouldn't have joined anything because I would have been tentative. And, and you know, like, oh, we're not going to agree. It's like, okay, so go and talk to and listen to people. I don't know. And messiness can be an opportunity too. When, when there's that... When there's discord, if you know what your message is, you can push through and 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 it's an opportunity to change people's minds too, I think. Um, I've seen that a little bit in, I won't say the specific organization, but in organizations I've worked with, when there's an effort to get out, say a Black Lives Matter statement, um, there is there are people who voice um, reservations. And in my experience, they're, they're not, bad intentioned people are people who lack understanding. And that was an opportunity to educate people. And, and kind of like you said earlier, to, to bring people together around a statement, at which point the statement, the, the, the organization that I, cares, that I care about has spoken. And there's like an attractive quality to that um, once the message is out there. I didn't that say that. Reminds me that I should because she's my friend, I should talk to the president so that nice tea saw can put out something about this that is actually good. Because um, if I write it, it'll be good and it won't be some nonsense. So <laughs> that's, a, that's a good plan for the rest of my evening. Anyway, 
Rob, do you have any final thoughts on these professional organizations? Where can we even go with these things? Because I feel like, you know, they, I feel like they should be engines of solidarity as opposed to stodgy, you know, checklists. So you got to join one so you can be a real person in the field, you know? One of the things that we're doing right now that's just like a very boring practical thing, but I think from my work with a different organization, it makes me think it's it's an important tool. Do you know what a board matrix is? No. We take, um, we it's basically a survey of who's on your board and what fields they represent, the demographics. And for us, it's been a way of recognizing like we're not representative in the way that we want to be representative in terms of in, in various ways, not um, not just demographically. Um, and it's a way of forcing people to see a need to change um, at an organizational level. Um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I think I would like to do that. That's something I want because I want to do a lot of like gathering information stuff over the summer since we use mostly a pause over the summer not for me, but for the organization. And I would like to gather that sort of thing. Um, so, all right, Rob, I think this, uh, there's a lot to be done in these organizations. Yeah. Um, and I hope that going forward, because I know I'm, I'm gonna be talking to you, I'm talking to New Jersey, I'm talking to them on Friday. And uh, I think, you know, the anti-racist work in New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, it, it, it it could be something that Big T Saw has to pay attention to. That's what Let's I want. I don't want. I don't want to go to Big T Saw until we all come together. I want to go to New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania because we're close together. I know people in California. I know people in Texas who are doing this. I want those three, and then those two to come together, and then we go to Big T Saw. Like now, you gotta listen to us, and they can't stop us because it's it's, it's just like the Northeast and a Seattle County, California, Texas. That's like a big chunk of English teachers in the yeah. country. So, Let's get that meeting scheduled. Yes, we need to do that. All right, Rob. All thanks right. for talking to me. Have a good night. Thank you for having me.